Welcome to the For Teachers podcast. James here with you. Today, I'm going to be bringing you part two of a special three-part series on Crossways, which here in South Australia is the curriculum framework for religious education in Catholic schools. If you haven't checked out episode one, I'd pause this episode and check that one out first. This one really is a companion to that episode. I'll be here when you get back. Okay, welcome back. I'm joined again by Prue Raymond and Marcia Burgess, and we are listening to a recording from the CESA Religious Days in 2020, where Crossways was the big focus. Now, as I said at the end of episode one, this is the part of the day where the conversations moved to some of the challenges that the APRAMs and schools were facing in relation to the new Crossways and the issues that it brought up. Teresa Pascoe from Christ the King can be always relied upon to be both eloquent and authentic, and here's what was on her mind. And I should just say that sitting on that same table was Julian Kluge. He's the Senior Education Advisor, Staff, Spiritual and Religious Formation. And this ended up being geographically very fortunate in a way that will become clear. How's the day going? Good. Yeah? No, actually, it's been challenging in parts where it needs to be challenging, yep. but it's also been really informative and reflective. What's, what's challenging? We're on board, but mm. often some of the staff are not going to be on board. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about getting our staff, how are we going to give them the desire to take this on board? Yeah. Okay, James back here in the studio just quickly, just wanted to explain what's happening here. So at this particular point, everyone started to settle down to a very quiet activity. So I had to drop the tone of the uh, volume in talking to Teresa. So just in case you're wondering what was going on. Okay. Back to the conversation with Teresa. I was having this conversation with someone, one of the other, um, one of the other APRAMs earlier, mm. talking about this whole idea of going from where you, from leadership team point of view, APRAM point of view. It's all well and good to say yes, we're embracing all this stuff to do with crossways and how it intersects with living, learning, leading framework and all that kind of stuff. But how then do you like affect community-wide change when it's only people in leadership or RE key teachers mm. that are actually enacting that change, whereas a lot of the other teachers who don't come from that tradition or don't come from that background are a bit overawed by the whole idea and uh, instead of trying to work out a way through it, just try to kind of avoid the idea of going near it altogether. It's an interesting idea. What do you think? Yeah. I think looking at my, in my context, my staff have embraced it and they've been keen, but I've been listening to others today who are saying their staff may not be as ready to engage. I I truly believe that this, and we were talking earlier, this the way we've implemented this is so much better than the last crossways because we've given staff the chance to dabble, play, explore. There's been no pressure, no judgment, and so maybe that's why my staff are more willing to give it a go but there's still that underlying, I don't bring a strong faith to this. Yeah. And I think that's my level of challenge. How do I engage my staff to realise their faith is okay. Where they are is where they are. They're not supposed to have you know, a, a master's in theology to teach children. Mm. You share your faith with them and they, together, often teachers will tell you that they actually will learn their own thinking their own, and they'll grow their own faith. And I, maybe that's part of what we need to be quite open with our staff. So it's okay. You know, you're not, you're not going to be useless at this, don't yeah. they? I, I don't know. Oh, and the worst ones are the cradle Catholics because they think, I should know this and right. I don't know this. Okay. Or I've never actually stopped and thought about it or reflected on it or done any reading on it. So maybe that's 
that's the challenge for me, is to ask my staff individually, where are you? What can we do to make you feel confident? Because I know you can do it. I watch you do maths, I watch mm. you do English. Yeah. Why don't you feel that way with the RA? So it's, it's what you're talking about. So you're talking about ideas of what you think you might try or what you've actually seen works in terms of staff spiritual formation in a way that's actually helps re, um, achieve you know, strategic outcomes mm. in, in a way. And look, some of it I've taken from other people today, um, others are the, the journey I've been on, mm. but I also feel that for many of us APRAMs, that's our biggest challenge. And days like today are brilliant because we've all talked we've all heard, oh, I've tried this, this worked well, this didn't work for me, oh, I'm having the same problem. Mm. And that's why having a face-to-face and a chance to talk, talk it out, mm-hmm. is so vital for us. Yeah. Now, there's tons I really want to so, unpack in that with you guys, yeah. but before we do, the fact was, I was sitting there talking to Teresa, and literally Julian was sitting directly behind me, <laughs> listening to everything that was being said, Snooping. and it was almost kind of like, I felt that, I feel that... It was a right of reply. I need to, to from, oh, from a yes. staff spiritual formation yes, point of view, and yes. what he said was amazing. So okay. let's just oh, listen great. to Julian first, and then we'll have a chat about it. All right. It's funny that you just happen to be sitting here, Julian. Yes. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> no, it, no, because the conversation and the, what I've just been talking about with Teresa, and also what's been popping up around with other staff members as well, is the challenge seems to be not so much in the ideas of going how do we implement the ideas around the new crossways how do we find those intersecting points there between that and living learning leading framework it's all part of the whole sort of like package where you know the idea of a community-wide engagement not just students but also staff in the whole nature of catholic identity of their school is so important but what people are expressing more and more staff leadership expressing more and more is that the challenges sit in staff spiritual formation because it's only through breaking through that barrier of it being re key teachers leadership team APRAMs and the like them being in charge of the vision and the implementation of everything to do with new crossways if it's not carried through in a whole school-wide approach it's just not going to have the impact I mean, what, what do you see as, I mean, because this really does then, this plays, places it squarely in, in your purview in a lot of ways. What, what are you seeing that people are saying and what are you strategising about how to, to work with it in this way? It's, it, it's a really interesting question because one of the things that emerges out of, particularly if you're looking at um, engagement with the new crossways, is one of the, the new element in it amongst others, but also probably the greatest divergence and probably also the most unique feature of Crossways in terms of RE um, curriculum across Australia is the Wisdom Strand. Mm. And one of the things that I hear from APRAMs and leaders about the Wisdom Strand is it's a fantastic way of, of challenging young people to consider their, their voice and their role in their spiritual religious formation. But it's really challenging for staff if they don't already have the language and the, the nomenclature and the... And, the experience, the self-experience in doing that themselves. So I think there's a really, uh, there's a really important space for um, opening up some discernment consideration for teachers around. Well, what are those sub substrands in the wisdom strand actually saying? What does it mean to be a person that is open to the spiritual dimension in their life? To be part of a faith community, um, to grapple with the big questions. And I think, so, so, so while the wisdom strand is obviously part of Crossways, I actually think um, it has a lot to say for our teachers in our schools mm-hmm. about how they see themselves, how they see themselves as part of a faith community and how they contribute to that. 
I also think the key capabilities, the same, I'd say the same thing about the key capabilities, that idea of being spiritually aware and inspired by faith, while that is an aspiration for children in our schools, if our staff don't have the opportunity to be able to consider that for themselves, there's no way they can witness to it or create a space in the classroom that's conducive to kids being able to do it. So for me, there are two there are two really key elements. I knew you were coming around, so I jotted myself a couple of notes <laughs> that I wanted to make sure I named. Um, without dumbing it down, I think there are there are there are two key things that we can't that we must invest in in order to be able to uh, ensure that staff not only do this well with kids, but also feel like it's they have an active role to play in it and they feel good about their contribution. The first is we have to open up some space. The thing that is quite often the most precious in schools is space and time. But if we don't open space for consideration of things like the wisdom strand, the key capability around particularly being spiritually aware and inspired by faith, there's no way staff can have a deep understanding of it for themselves. And connected to that, and I think equally important is, what we really want to do is we want to provide a space for our staff in schools where they feel that they have a legitimate voice in the unfolding narrative of the faith community. Whether they're part of the church or not, do I feel like my voice, my consideration, has something to add to the faith narrative of this community? Because that's because in the Gospels, that's what happened. Jesus didn't surround himself with like-minded thinkers always. It was with people that came from different walks of life. In a... In the same way, our staff in our schools are incredibly varied. Uh, They come from different contexts. They come from different faith experiences. Um, Some may not name a faith community. For them to feel that they have a legitimacy in the ongoing contribution to that means that they're they're discerning about their spiritual and religious development and self-understanding. I mean, schools are such busy places, and finding that space for that kind of intentional reflective experience they're about reflective practice and every educator would know that reflective practice is a key component of our ability to be able to do something trial it not feel fearful about making a mistake and then doing it better next time and ultimately the thing about reflective practice is does it fit the needs of the particular group of people i'm working with which is most imperative but you, you look, you've asked the big question here. I was talking into a really blue sky thinking sort of a space yeah, totally. on a day where we're all sitting in a room where we've got a day ahead of us to collaborate with colleagues, to engage with the learning, to you know engage in some prayer. The difficulty then is how do you carve that time out across the year? And it, look, there's no easy answer to that. But what I would, if there was one thing I was going to offer into this space, carve out little bits of time more consistently rather than one day a year. So if you, if you can grab 10 to 15 minutes of every time you gather as a staff for a meeting, which is not a massive amount of time and you can still get the business done, 10 to 15 minutes when you're talking about something else, restorative practices, pedagogy, behaviour in the yard, whatever it is, if we embed some spiritual and religious formation time into, well, what would the tradition say about what we're discussing in these other ways? What does it say around why we would want to restore relationships between kids when it fractures? What, what, what would the tradition say about the way we treat each other in the yard or the way we treat the yard? So there's a, it, it, yeah, that consistency of purpose, doing it more regularly and not feeling like it needs to be a massive chunk of time because 
in all reality, when people look at a day, they think, well, we can't squeeze that in because there's no space for it. So that, that would be, look, it's a simplistic answer, but again, that would be my advice. Well, I think what you're also doing when you're saying that is you're grounding it in the day-to-day life of everything there is to be in a school. I mean, retreats are fantastic, but essentially what a retreat is, is, all right, stop everything you're doing, get out of your normal work clothes, get out of your normal work environment, we're going to now engage in something which is completely atypical from a normal school day experience. And then you go back home, you know, have a shower, put your suit back on, go back into work, and it's like now we're back to the normal business of school life. And as um, as as grounding and as formational as retreats are, it can't embed that idea of uh, spiritual formation for staff in an everyday context. But what you're saying does that because it makes it part of the day. Look, we, we, a lot of the work we've done in the last couple of years has been around contemplative practice and lent into some of the contemplative writers and. There's a theme that comes out of all of them is that if you have the luxury of going off on retreat and carving out that large amount of time, then do it because it's invaluable. But ultimately, the reason you would do that is to challenge and change the way you interact with the ordinariness of your life when you re-enter it. How does it impact upon the way that you conduct yourself, you see yourself, conduct yourself, interact with others, interact with the crowded environment? What they also recommend in that is if you don't have the time to do that, you can link that contemplation and action in your daily practice. Merely by doing something, it can be as simple as, rather than praying at the beginning of the day when we gather, why would we not pray in the middle and intentionally take an issue to that prayer that we're struggling with? So it might be around, well, how do I I accept the behavior of this person? How do I challenge my, my own thinking? Um, we're at a bit of a, a loggerheads or a standstill in terms of uh, adjusting a school policy so it fits with our needs. Let's stop and pray. Let's take the scriptures to this. Let's contemplate on it and see what new and fresh ideas that wisdom of the tradition brings to our ongoing discernment. So much there. <laughs> so much. <laughs> so much. What, what stands out to you in all that, Pro? Um... I really love how practical um, Julian's suggestions were and he's really speaking to leaders there. But it's also, um, we know that our religious leaders, uh, our prims and RECs are open to hearing suggestions. So if you're a classroom teacher listening to this podcast, bring this to your APRIM or REC to have the conversation about doing things differently. You know, is is the learning, is the, the setup working for you or if it's not, uh, how do you change it up? But I think um, also the thing that sort of leapt out at me was that that provocation around specialist RE teachers, and there is a bit of that kind of m- moan <laughs> that goes through the crowd, oh, you know, <laughs> what they used to be or whatever, there's no specialist RE teachers out there, which I think is actually a bit of an old-fashioned model that, you know, you, you learn the stuff, then you go out and you teach it. Mm. Whereas what, um, what uh, Julian really speaks into is that, you know, growth mindset model that, you know, let's continue to, to grow and evolve and develop our capabilities as teachers, um, as contemplative, reflective teachers, as um, as specialists, and, and really witness for our students as well that it is an ongoing learning process that um, we can't just say, well, we've, we've learnt it, yeah. <laughs> um, done, and now we're going to impart that knowledge on others. We're actually, it's part of an ongoing engagement of reflection and, yeah. and practice, yeah. I think it's interesting, Marcia, though, like, and I, it was something that was also picked up in conversations during the day is that 
um, RE is not like maths or it's not like mm. PE. It's not like other things. It underpins everything that is to be in that school and there is a sense of real concern that um, that, a, that a teacher who goes into RE, is teaching RE, all of a sudden they're going to be hit with some question that's going to have some basis in Catholic identity and in scripture or theology and they're not going to know what to do. And that idea is a, is a terrifying idea uh, to them. Well, it shouldn't be terrifying. But we why shouldn't we, it be terrifying? It shouldn't be terrifying <laughs> because we not? don't expect everybody to be an expert in theology or an expert in scripture. And we understand that classroom teachers aren't. And I think if I was teaching science and I had to teach photosynthesis, I would then go and do some research. What is photosynthesis? Mm. What is it related to? How How is the best way that I could engage my students in understanding what photosynthesis is and what it means for our environment, our plants, etc.? So you could adapt a sim- or adopt a similar process for religious education. And I think that... We need to um, cut some teachers some slack. They're teaching across an overcrowded curriculum. There are competing demands within schools. There, um, But there are also some people within our school communities who can support um, our teachers. So we have an APRAM and we've got principals and deputies, um, etc. I think what Julian was speaking to, um, it, which is really important, is this idea of creating time regularly to encourage and invite people to develop their relationship with God. Because Mm. in religious education, it's important that you need to believe it before you can teach it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know about that. I think people do worry about that. But, oh, I think it's a bit risky to say you have to believe it to teach it. I think... Because there, there, I know that there are teachers out there that are mm. teaching RE that don't believe it. But I think if you're a good practitioner, if you're one that's um, willing to explore and be open and travel with with um, a journey with the kids as well and be open to your own spiritual formation, mm. it might not be that you have a belief in God right this minute, but, you know, you... I don't know. There's an yeah. there's an invitation there to to engage further if you want to in every Catholic school. Uh, it's not a requirement that you have a belief when you when you become or, a teacher in a Catholic school. But or yeah. maybe it's not a belief. It's an openness, openness. an openness yeah. to the tradition yeah, yeah, yeah. and an openness to learn and to to grow yeah. and to understand. Yeah, yeah. May, may, maybe it's that, and maybe not. It's not so much the the belief. Mm. Uh, let's name something else too, like that fear of kids asking questions you don't know the answer to. That can often lead to behaviours that are all around locking down the questions <laughs> or filling the time up so that, you know, they just they just can't go there. Right. <laughs> and I, I think that can be really sad because the questions are so powerful and they, it's you know, this curriculum is very much de- about inquiry and exploring and, and wondering. And as we heard in, um, in episode one, that wondering is so powerful. It's one of the greatest gifts of this curriculum. Um, so I think um, we really need to have that vulnerability and that openness to the questions as teachers, even though we might be found out to not be the expert <laughs> that we were hoping, yeah. you know, the kids mm. saw us as. But we're actually uh, willing to be vulnerable and open and explore with them and give them some of the opportunity to explore too. Yeah, yeah. yeah that whole idea 
I don't know the answer to that, but let's find out together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, next thing. (laughs) Uh, So uh, another one that came up was, no, this conversation that was had, and it was a conversation about a whole bunch of things mixed together. So I couldn't pick this one apart, but it's Mm. really good. And it involves SACE assessment, transfer learning, (laughs) RE cross-curriculum. It's got something for everyone. There's a lot there. So here we go. The kids seen it at RE schools can transfer across to other subject subject areas because their kids think it's just in a box. Yeah. We're trying to get them to think much wider than that. I think the other one is the whole idea, the big ideas concept with the cross-curriculum. Like I'm thinking of our year seven and eights with PE. Yeah. How you could make a big question for both. both. Yeah. And if you're looking at morality, where you've got morality within sport, which you've also got... That sort of thing. So I'm just trying to think how to make it work, work. a bit more with the um, RE, the PE. Yeah. That idea that we have transfer in mind when we're designing curriculum is something that we don't really often think about. We think about what needs to get done. We think about assessment. We think about SACE, and we don't actually think about what the transfer is and what. That's what I had in my yeah. challenges. Yeah. The time factor with SACE of what you have to teach mm. and planning out for that. Always teaching everything. to assessment, yes. not teaching yeah. to transfer. Yeah. I think there's a there's a big then that's a big shift in um, thinking, isn't it, across the board. It's not just about. Yeah. And I think that's a challenge for me to how to do that in the senior years. That's probably where I'm at. Yeah, I'm finding the middle school very easy and the primary side very easy to work crossways in, but it's with the second the senior secondaries for SACE. Yeah. You have less flexibility yes. with them. Yeah. Because you're trying to tick that box. Yes. Tick that box. Yeah. <laughs> and then what are we actually transferring then? Yes. You know, and what yeah. are we actually teaching them? So interesting because I know a lot of um, senior secondary REs taught through integrated learning, which is actually has a big focus on transfer learning application collaboration with others um, has an inquiry kind of angle to it. So I was really, really surprised to hear um, some of those um, fears around trying to, you know, teach to the, to the assessment and fitting it all in because in my experience it hasn't kind of been like that. It's been really an opportunity to explore. And I see Crossways as really giving some more flesh, you know, to the bones of the, um, say, integrated learning or, you know, some other schools use religion studies or society and culture. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think Crossways helps to uh, provide some of, yeah, some of that flesh or that meat onto the, you know, the frame um, so that it can come to life and, and really have more authentic kind of links with the Catholic tradition. But, um, yeah, I think that's something to explore further. I think there needs to be some, um, maybe some professional learning around how this new Crossways and it can partner with a SACE framework, a subject outline in order to ensure there's authentic transfer learning happening in the senior secondary years. And it's not about, you know, ticking boxes as one of the comments that was yeah, made. Yeah, there are so many more things that, I mean, I had tons of oh. stuff today, but we are literally going to like run way out of time oh, in order no. to do that so this is great this gives us more opportunity Mm. because like next year uh we're going to be doing another series on crossways as well so Mm -hmm. we're going to have more of a chance to unpack more of these things as as we go along so that's very exciting so um 
Thank you guys oh, so wow. much for being oh, a part I of this. Blown, James. Oh, that's what you want to hear. <laughs> that it's that that it's had fun. Has it been fun? It yes. Was has, fun. has your podcast experience been good? It's and gone up by hundred percent. Five star review. Oh, <laughs> a little intimidating with with all of the equipment, but yeah. lots of fun and great to hear some real life stories. Yes. So this is yes. what's happening on the ground in our schools with yep. our teachers yeah. and our leaders, and yep. it gives us a really good insight in how we can support them. And I think they there's can a lot to take other. back and reflect on. Um, for next year and, you know, as we go into more Crossways support. Though not me. I'm off to say. No, you're off to say. yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, so I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to say this. Well, I don't think I will get a chance to say this anyway, but it's just been so wonderful having you on the team this year, Prue, and uh, and everything that you've brought to it all and everything you've brought to Crossways. And I know that a lot of teachers and schools out there were very inspired by having you working with them on that stuff too. And I'm sure you're going to make a massive impact at such. I'm still going to be working with teachers and, and hopefully you know supporting our senior secondary teachers as they're teaching integrated learning or, s- or studies of religion or whatever it is that they're doing hopefully I'll still get those wonderful interactions so yeah cool I'm not sure letting a lot of people go very completely happy to no <laughs> <laughs> thanks to Marcia and Prue I'll be back in episode three of this series where I visited Antonio Catholic School in Morfitt Vale during the 2020 Term 3 school holidays to check out their crossways planning across all their primary year levels, which Lillian Van Brussel, the APRAM, did with all the key teachers as a group. It's really inspiring and insightful to see what a whole school approach can contextually look like in this space. I've put the link to all three crossways episodes in the show notes for this one, so be sure to check them all out. The For Teachers podcast is produced by me, James Meston, for ArchD Radio and Podcasting. You can subscribe to the For Teachers channel on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. We've got some great shows there from last year around middle school curriculum and pedagogy as well, and STEM. Check them out for sure. We'll be back soon with another great podcast about teaching by teachers for teachers.